The Code of Laws. 1. If anyone ensnare another, putting a ban upon him, but he cannot prove it, then he that ensnared him shall be put to death. 2. If anyone bring an accusation against a man, and the accused go to the river and leap into the river, if he sinks in the river, his accuser shall take possession of his house, but if the river proves that the accused is not guilty, and he escapes unhurt, then he who had brought the accusation shall be put to death, while he who leapt into the river shall take possession of the house that belonged to his accuser. 3. If anyone brings an accusation of any crime before the elders, and does not prove what he has charged, he shall, if a capital offence is charged, be put to death. 4. If he satisfies the elders to impose a fine of grain or money, he shall receive that fine that the action produces. 5. If a judge tries a case, reaches a decision, and presents his judgment in writing, if later error shall appear in his decision, and it be through his own fault, then he shall pay twelve times the fine set by him in the case, and he shall be publicly removed from the judge's bench, and never again shall he sit there to render judgment. If anyone steals the property of a temple or the court, he shall be put to death, and also the one who receives the stolen thing from him shall be put to death. 7. If anyone buys from the son or the slave of another man without witnesses or a contract, silver or gold, a male or female slave, an ox or a sheep, or an ass or anything, or if he takes it in charge, he is considered a thief and shall be put to death. 8. If anyone steal a cattle or sheep, or an ass or a pig or a goat, if it belong to a god or to the court, the thief shall pay thirtyfold therefore. If they belong to a freed man of the king, uh -oh. he shall pay tenfold. Uh -oh. If the thief has nothing with which to pay, he shall be put to death. 9. If anyone lose an article and find it in the possession of another, if the person in whose possession the thing is found says, A merchant sold it to me, I pay for it before witnesses. And if the owner of the thing says, I will bring witnesses who know my property, then shall the purchaser bring the merchant who sold it to him and the witnesses before whom he bought it, and the owner shall bring witnesses who can identify his property. The judge shall examine their testimony, both of the witnesses before whom the price was paid, and of the witnesses who identify with the lost article on oath. The merchant is then proved to be a thief, and shall be put to death. The owner of the lost article receives his property, and he who bought it receives the money he paid from the estate of the merchant. 10. If the purchaser does not bring the merchant and the witnesses before whom he bought the article, but its owner brings witnesses who identify it, then the buyer is the thief, and shall be put to death, and the owner receives the lost article. 11. If the owner does not bring witnesses to identify the lost article, he is an evildoer, he is traduced, and he shall be put to death. 12. If the witnesses be not at hand, then shall the judge set a limit, at the expiration of six months. If his witnesses have not appeared within the six months, then he is an evildoer, and shall bear the fine of the pending case. Narrator's note. There is no law 13. 14. If anyone steal the minor son of another, he shall be put to death. 15. 
If anyone take a male or female slave of the court, or a male or female slave of a freed man, outside the city gates, he shall be put to death. 16. If anyone receive into his house a runaway male or female slave of the court, or of a freed man, and does not bring it out at the public proclamation of the major domus, the master of the house should be put to death. 17. If anyone finds a runaway male or female slave in the open country, and brings them to their masters, the master of the slaves shall pay him two shekels of silver. 18. If the slave will not give the name of the master, the finder shall bring him to the palace. A further investigation must follow, and the slave shall be returned to the master. 19. If he holds the slaves in his house, and they are caught there, he shall be put to death. 20. If the slave that he caught run away from him, then he shall swear to the owners of the slave that he is free of all blame. 21. If anyone breaks a hole in a house, break into steel, he shall be put to death before that hole and be buried. 22. If anyone is committing a robbery and is caught, then he shall be put to death. 23. If the robber is not caught, then shall he who was robbed claim under oath the amount of his loss. Then shall the community, and on those ground and territory in whose domain it was, compensate him for the goods stolen. 24. If a person's are stolen, then shall the community pay one minor of silver to their relatives. 25. If fire breaks out in a house, and someone who comes to put it out casts his eye upon the property of the owner of the house, and takes the property of the master of the house, he should be thrown into that self-same fire. 26. If a chieftain or man, a common soldier, who has been ordered to go upon the king's highway for war, does not go, but hires a mercenary. If he withholds compensation, then shall this officer or man be put to death, and he who represented him shall take possession of his house. 27. If a chieftain or man be caught in the misfortune of the king, captured in battle, and if his fields and garden be given to another and he takes possession, if he returns and reaches his place, his field and garden shall be returned to him. He shall take it over again. 28. If a chieftain or man be caught in the misfortune of the king, if his son is able to enter into possession, then the field and garden shall be given to him. He shall take over the fee of his father. 29. If his son is still young and cannot take possession, a third of the field and garden shall be given to his mother, and she shall bring him up. 30. If a chieftain or man leaves his house, garden and field, and hires it out, and someone else takes possession of his house, garden and field, and uses it for three years, if the first owner returns and claims his house, garden and field, it shall not be given to him, but he who has taken possession of it and used it shall continue to use it. 31. If he hires it out for one year and then returns, the house, garden, and field shall be given back to him, and he shall take it over again. 32. If a chieftain or man is captured on the way of the king in war, and a merchant buys him free, and brings him back to his place, if he has the means in his house to buy his freedom, then he shall buy himself free. If he has nothing in his house with which to buy himself free, 
he shall be bought free by the temple of his community. If there be nothing in the temple with which to buy him free, the court shall buy his freedom. His field, garden, and house shall not be given for the purchase of his freedom. 33. If a lacuna, or a lacuna, enter himself as withdrawn from the way of the king, and send a mercenary as a substitute, but withdraw him, then the lacuna, or lacuna, shall be put to death. 34. If a lacuna, or a lacuna, harm the property of a captain, injure the captain, or take away from the captain a gift presented to him by the king, then the lacuna, or lacuna, shall be put to death. 35. If anyone buys the sheep or cattle of which the king has given to chieftains from him, he loses his money. 36. The field, garden, and house of a chieftain, or a man, or of one subject to quit rent, cannot be sold. 37. If anyone buys the field, garden, and house of a chieftain, man, or one subject to quit rent, his contract tablet of sale shall be broken, declared invalid, and he loses his money. The field, garden, and house return to their owners. 38. A chieftain, man, or one subject to quit rent cannot assign his tenure of field, house, and garden to his wife or daughter, nor can he assign it for a debt. 39. He may, however, assign a field, garden, or house which he has bought and holds as property to his wife or daughter or give it up for debt. 40. He may sell field, garden, and house to a merchant, royal agents, or to any other public official, the buyer holding field, house, and garden for its usufruct. 41. If any one fence in the field, garden, and house of a chieftain, man, or one subject to quit rent, furnishing the palings therefore, if the chieftain, man, or one subject to quit rent returns to the field, garden, and house, the palings which were given to him become his property. 42. If anyone takes over a field to till it and obtain no harvest therefrom, it must be proved that he did no work on the field, and he must deliver grain just as his neighbour raised to the owner of the field. 43. If he did not till the field, but let it lie fallow, he shall give grain like his neighbours to the owner of the field, and the field which he let lie fallow he must plough and sow and return to its owner. 44. If anyone takes over a waste-lying field to make it arable, but is lazy and does not make it arable, he shall plough the fallow field in the fourth year, harrow it and till it, and give it back to its owner, for each ten gan, a measure of area, ten gur of grain shall be paid. 45. If a man rent his field for tillage for a fixed rental, and receive the rent of his field but bad weather comes and destroys the harvest, the injury falls upon the tiller of the soil. 46. If he does not receive a fixed rental for his field, but lets it on half or third shares of the harvest, the grain on the field shall be divided proportionally between the tiller and the owner. 47. If the tiller, because he did not succeed in the first year, has the soil tilled by others, the owner may raise no objection. The field has been cultivated, and he receives the harvest according to agreement. 48. 
If anyone owes a debt for a loan, and a storm prostrates the grain, or the harvest fails, or the grain does not grow for lack of water, in that year he need not give his creditor any grain. He washes his debt tablet in water, and pays no rent for this year. 49. If anyone takes money from a merchant, and gives the merchant a field tillable for corn or sesame, and orders him to plant corn or sesame in the field, and to harvest the crop, if the cultivator plants corn or sesame in the field, at the harvest the corn or sesame that is in the field shall belong to the owner of the field, and he shall pay corn as rent, for the money he received from the merchant, and the livelihood of the cultivator shall he give to the merchant. 50. If he gives a cultivated cornfield or a cultivated sesame field, the corn or sesame in the field shall belong to the owner of the field, and he shall return the money to the merchant as rent. 51. If he has no money to repay, then he shall pay in corn or sesame in place of the money as rent for what he received from the merchant according to the royal tariff. 52. If the cultivator does not plant corn or sesame in the same field, the debtor's contract is not weakened. 53. If anyone be too lazy to keep his dam in proper condition, and does not so keep it, then if the dam breaks and all the fields be flooded, then he in whose dam the break occurred should be sold for money, and the money shall replace the corn which he has caused to be ruined. 54. If he is not able to replace the corn, then he and his possessions should be divided among the farmers whose corn he has flooded. 55. If anyone opens his ditches to water his crop, but is careless, and the water floods the field of his neighbour, then he shall pay his neighbour corn for his loss. 56. If a man lets in the water, and the water overflow of the plantation of his neighbour, he shall pay ten gur of corn for every ten gan of land. 57. If a shepherd, without the permission of the owner of the field, without the knowledge of the owner of the sheep, lets the sheep into the field to graze, then the owner of the field shall harvest his crop, and the shepherd, who had pastured his flock here without the permission of the owner of the field, shall pay to the owner twenty gur of corn for every ten gan. 58. If, after the flocks have left the pasture and been shut up in the common fold at the city gate, any shepherd let them into a field, and they graze there. This shepherd shall take possession of the field which he has allowed to be grazed on, and at the harvest he must pay sixty gur of corn for every ten gan. 59. If any man without the knowledge of the owner of a garden fell a tree in the garden, he shall pay half a minor in money. 60. If anyone give over a field to a gardener, for him to plant as a garden, if he work at it and care for it four years, in the fifth year the owner and the gardener shall divide it, the owner taking his part in charge. 61. If the gardener has not completed the planting of a field, leaving one part unused, this shall be assigned to him as his. 62. If he does not plant the field that was given over to him as a garden, if it be arable land for corn or sesame, the gardener shall pay the owner of the produce of the field for the years he let it lie fallow, according to the product of neighbouring fields, put the field in arable condition, and return it to its owner. 63. 
If he transforms waste land into arable fields and returns it to its owner, the latter shall pay him for one year ten ger for ten gan. 64. If anyone hands over his garden to a gardener to work, the gardener shall pay to its owner two-thirds of the produce of the garden, for so long as he has it in his possession, and the other third he shall keep. 65. If the gardener does not work in the garden, and the product falls off, the gardener shall pay in proportion to other neighbouring gardens. Here a portion of the text is missing, apparently comprising 34 paragraphs. 100. Lacuna. Interest for the money. As much as he has received, he shall give a note therefore, and on the day which they settle, pay the merchant. 101. If there are no mercantile arrangements in the place whither he went, he shall leave the entire amount of money which he received with the broker to give to the merchant. 102. If a merchant entrusts money to a broker for some investment, and the broker suffers a loss in the place to which he goes, he shall make good the capital to the merchant. 103. If, while on the journey, an enemy take away from him anything that he had, the broker shall swear by God and be free of obligation. 104. If a merchant gives an agent corn, wool, or oil, or any other goods to transport, the agent shall give a receipt for the amount, and compensate the merchant therefor. He shall obtain a receipt from the merchant for the money that he gives the merchant. 105. If the agent is careless and does not take a receipt for the money which he gave the merchant, he cannot consider the unreceipted money as his own. 106. If the agent accepts money from the merchant, but has a quarrel with the merchant, denying the receipt, then shall the merchant swear before God and witnesses that he has given this money to the agent, and the agent shall pay him three times the sum. 107. If the merchant cheats the agent, in that as the latter has returned to him all that had been given him, but the merchant denies the receipt of what has been returned to him, then shall this agent convict the merchant before God and the judges, and if he still denies receiving what the agent had given him, he shall pay six times the sum to the agent. 108. If a tavern keeper, feminine, does not accept corn according to gross weight in payment of drink, but takes money, and the price of the drink is less than that of the corn, she shall be convicted and thrown into the water. 109. If conspirators meet in the house of a tavern keeper, and these conspirators are not captured and delivered to the court, the tavern keeper shall be put to death. 110. If a sister of a god opens a tavern or enters a tavern to drink, then this woman shall be burned to death. 111. If an innkeeper furnishes 60 car of usakini drink to lacuna, she shall receive 50 car of corn at the harvest. 112. If anyone be on a journey and entrust silver, gold, precious stones, or any movable property to another, and wishes to recover it from him, if the latter did not bring all of the property to the appointed place, but appropriates it to use his own, then shall this man who did not bring the property to hand it over be convicted, and he shall pay fivefold for all that has been entrusted to him. 113. 
If anyone has a consignment of corn or money, and he takes from the granary or box without the knowledge of the owner, then shall he who took corn without the knowledge of the owner of the granary or money out of the box be legally convicted and repay the corn he has taken, and he shall lose whatever commission was paid to him or due him. 114. If a man has no claim on another for corn and money and tries to demand it by force, he shall pay one-third of a mina of silver in every case. 115. If anyone should have a claim for corn or money upon another and imprison him, if the prisoner dies in prison a natural death, the case shall go no further. 116. If the prisoner dies in prison from blows or maltreatment, the master of the prison shall convict the merchant before the judge. If he was a free-born man, the son of the merchant shall be put to death. If it was a slave, he shall pay one-third of a mina of gold, and all that the master of the prison gave, he shall forfeit. 117. If anyone fails to meet a claim for debt, and sells himself, his wife, his son, and daughter for money, or to give them away to forced labour, they shall work for three years in the house of the man who bought them, or the proprietor, and in the fourth year they shall be set free. 118. If he gives a male or female slave away for forced labour, and the merchant subleases them, or sells them for money, no objection can be raised. 119. If anyone fails to meet a claim for debt, and he sells the maidservant who has borne him children for money, the money which the merchant has paid shall be repaid to him by the owner of the slave, and she shall be freed. 120. If anyone stores corn for safekeeping in another person's house, and any harm happens to the corn in storage, or if the owner of the house opens the granary and takes some of the corn, or if he especially denies that the corn was stored in his house, then the owner of the corn shall claim his corn before God on oath, and the owner of the house shall pay its owner for all the corn that he took. 121. If anyone stores corn in another man's house, he shall pay him storage at the rate of one gur for every five car of corn per year. 122. If anyone gives another silver, gold, or anything else to keep, he shall show everything to some witness, draw up a contract, and then hand it over for safekeeping. 123. If he turns it over for safekeeping without witnesses or contracts, and if he to whom it was given denies it, then he has no legitimate claim. 124. If anyone delivers silver, gold, or anything else to another for safekeeping, before a witness, but he denies it, he shall be brought before a judge, and all that he has denied he shall pay in full. 125. If anyone places his property with another for safekeeping, and there, either through thieves or robbers, his property and the property of the other man may be lost, the owner of the house, through whose neglect the loss took place, shall compensate the owner for all that was given him in charge. But the owner of the house shall try to follow up and recover his property and take it away from the thief. 126. If anyone who has not lost his goods state that they have been lost and makes false claims, if he claims his goods and the amount of injury before God, even though he has not lost them, he shall be fully compensated for his loss claimed. 127. 
If anyone points the finger at a sister of a god or the wife of anyone and cannot prove it, this man shall be taken before the judges and his brow shall be marked. 128. If a man takes a woman to wife but has no intercourse with her, then this woman is no wife to him. 129. If a man's wife be surprised with another man, both shall be tied and thrown into the water, but the husband may pardon his wife and the king his slaves. 130. If a man violates the wife, betrothed or child wife of another man who has never known a man and still lives in her father's house and sleeps with her and be surprised, this man shall be put to death, but the wife is blameless. 131. If a man brings charge against one's wife, but she is not surprised with another man, she must take an oath and they may return to her house. 132. If the finger is pointed at a man's wife about another man, but she is not caught sleeping with the other man, she shall jump into the river for her husband. 133. If a man is taken prisoner in war, and there is sustenance in his house, but his wife leaves house and court to go to another house, because this wife did not keep her court and went to another house, she should be judicially condemned and thrown into the water. 134. If anyone is captured in war, and there is not sustenance in his house, then his, if his wife goes to another house, this woman shall be held blameless. 135. If a man be taken prisoner in war, and there is no sustenance in his house, and his wife goes to another house and bears children, and if later her husband returns and comes to his home, then the wife shall return to her husband, but the children follow their father. 136. If anyone leaves his house, run away, and then his wife goes to another house, if he then returns and wishes to take his wife back, because he fled from his home and ran away, the wife of this runaway shall not return to her husband. 137. If a man wishes to separate from a woman who has borne him children, or from his wife who has borne him children, then he shall give that wife her dowry, and a part of the usufruct of a field, garden, and property, so that she can rear her children. When she has bought up her children, a portion of all that is given to the children, equal as that of one son, shall be given to her. She may then marry the man of her heart. 138. If a man wishes to separate from his wife who has borne him no children, then he shall give her the amount of her purchase money and the dowry which she brought from her father's house, and let her go. 139. If there was no purchase price, he shall give her one miner of gold as a gift of release. 140. If he be a freed man, he shall give her one-third of a miner of gold. 141. If a man's wife, who lives in his house, wishes to leave it, plunges into debt, tries to ruin her house, neglects her husband, and is judicially convicted, if her husband offers her release, she may go on her way, but he gives her nothing as a gift of release. If her husband does not wish to release her, and if he takes another wife, she shall remain as servant, in her husband's house. 142. If a woman quarrels with her husband and says, you are not congenial to me, the reasons for her prejudice must be presented. If she is guiltless and there is no fault on her part, but he leaves and neglects her, 
and no guilt attaches to this woman. She shall take her dowry and go back to her father's house. 143. If she is not innocent, but leaves her husband and ruins her house, neglecting her husband, this woman shall be cast into the water. 144. If a man takes a wife, and this woman gives her husband a maidservant, and she bears him children, but this man wishes to take another wife, this shall not be permitted to him. He shall not take a second wife. 145. If a man takes a wife, and she bears him no children, and he intends to take another wife, if he takes this second wife and brings her into the house, the second wife shall not be allowed equality with his wife. 146. If a man takes a wife, and she gives this man a maidservant as a wife, and she bears him children, and then this maidservant assumes equality with the wife, because she has borne him children, her master shall not sell her for money, but he may keep her as a slave, reckoning her among the maidservants. 147. If she has not borne him children, then her mistress may sell her for money. 148. If a man takes a wife, and she be seized by disease, if he then desires to take a second wife, he shall not put away his wife, who has been attacked by disease, but shall keep her in the house which he has built, and support her so long as she lives. 149. If this woman does not wish to remain in her husband's house, then he shall compensate her for the dowry which she brought with her from her father's house, and she may go. 150. If a man gives his wife a field, garden, and house, and a deed, therefore, and if then, after the death of her husband, the sons raise no claim, then the mother may bequeath it all to one of her sons whom she prefers, and need leave nothing to his brothers. 151. If a woman who lived in a man's house made an agreement with her husband that no creditor can arrest her, and has given a document therefore, if that man before he married that woman had a debt, the creditor cannot hold the woman for it. But if the woman, before she entered the man's house, had contracted a debt, her creditor cannot arrest her husband therefore. 152. If after the woman has entered the man's house, both contracted a debt, both must pay the merchant. 153. If the wife of one man on account of another man has their mates, her husband and the other man's wife, murdered, both of them shall be impaled. 154. If a man is guilty of incest with his daughter, he shall be driven from the place. 155. If a man betrothed to a girl his son, and his son has intercourse with her, but he, the father, afterwards defiles her, and be surprised, then he shall be bound and cast into the water. 156. If a man betrothed to a girl his son, but his son has not known her, and if he, the father, then defiles her, he shall pay her half a gold miner, and compensate her for all that she brought out of her father's house. She may marry the man of her heart. 157. If anyone is guilty of incest, with his mother after his father, both shall be burned. 158. If anyone be surprised that his father with his chief wife who has borne children, he shall be driven out of his father's house. 159. If anyone who has brought chattels into his father-in-law's house 
has paid the purchase money, looks for another wife, and says to his father-in-law, I do not want your daughter, the girl's father may keep all that he had brought. 160. If a man brings chattels into the house of his father-in-law, and pays the purchase price for his wife, then if the father of the girl says, I will not give you my daughter, he shall give him back all that he brought with him. 161. If a man brings chattels to his father-in-law's house, and pays the purchase price, then if his friends slander him, and his father-in-law says to the young husband, You shall not marry my daughter, then he shall give back to him undiminished all that he had brought with him, but his wife shall not be married to the friend. 162. If a man marries a woman, and she bears sons to him, then if this woman dies, then shall her father have no claim on her dowry. This belongs to her sons. 163. If a man marries a woman and she bears him no sons, then if this woman dies, if the purchase price which he had paid to the house of his father-in-law is repaid to him, her husband shall have no claim upon the dowry of this woman, for it belongs to her father's house. 164. If this father-in-law does not pay back to him the amount of the purchase price, he may subtract the amount of the purchase price from the dowry, then pay the remainder to her father's house. 165. If a man gives to one of his sons, whom he prefers, a field, garden, and house, and a deed therefore, if later the father dies, and the brothers divide the estate, they shall first give him the present of his father, and he shall accept it, and the rest of the paternal property they shall divide. 166. If a man takes wives for his son, but takes no wife for his minor son, and if he then dies, if the sons divide the estate, they shall set aside besides his portion the money for the purchase price for the minor brother, who has taken no wife yet, and secure a wife for him. 167. If a man marries a wife and she bears him children, if this wife dies and then he takes another wife and she bears him children, if then the father dies, the sons must not partition the estate according to the mothers. They shall divide the dowries of their mothers only in this way. The paternal estate they shall divide equally with one another. 168. If a man wishes to put his son out of the house and declares before the judge, I want to put my son out, then the judge shall examine into his reasons. If the son be guilty of no great fault for which he can be rightfully put out, then the father shall not put him out. 169. If he be guilty of a grave fault, which should rightly deprive him of the filial relationship, the father shall forgive him the first time. But if he be guilty of a grave fault the second time, the father may deprive his son of all filial relation. 170. If his wife bears sons to a man, or his maidservant have borne sons, and the father, while still living, says to the children whom his maidservant has borne, My sons, and he counts them with the sons of his wife. If the father dies, then the sons of the wife and of the maidservant shall divide the paternal property in common. The son of the wife is to partition and choose. 171. If, however, the father, while still living, did not say to the sons of the maidservants, and then the father dies, then the sons of the maidservant shall not share in the sons of the wife, but the freedom of the maid and her sons shall be granted. 
The sons of the wife shall have no right to enslave the sons of the maid. The wife shall take her dowry from her father, and the gift that her husband gives her, and deed it to her, separate from the dowry or the purchase money paid her father, and live in the home of her husband. So long as she lives, shall she use it. It shall not be sold for money. Whatever she leaves shall belong to her children. 172. If her husband made no gift, she shall be compensated for her gift. She shall receive a portion of the estate from her husband, equal to that of one child. If her sons oppress her to force her out of the house, the judge shall examine into the matter. If the sons are at fault, the woman shall not leave her husband's house. If the woman desires to leave the house, she must leave to her sons the gift which her husband gave her, but she may take the dowry of her father's house. She may then marry the man of her heart. 173. If this woman bears sons to her second husband, in the place to which she went, and then dies, her earlier and later sons shall divide the dowry between them. 174. If she bears no sons to her second husband, the sons of her first husband shall have the dowry. 175. If a state slave or the slave of a freed man marries the daughter of a free man, and children are born, the master of the slave shall have no rights to enslave the children of the free. 176. If, however, a state slave or the slave of a freed man marries a man's daughter, and after he marries her brings a dowry from the father's house, if they both enjoy it and found a household, and accumulate means, then if the slave dies, then she who was free-born may take her dowry, and all that her husband and she had earned, she shall divide them into two parts, one half the master for the slave shall take, and the other half shall the free-born woman take for her children. If the free-born woman had had no gift, she shall take all that her husband and she had earned, and divide it into two parts. The master of the slave shall take one half, and she shall take the other for her children. 177. If a widow, whose children are not grown, wishes to enter into another house, she shall not enter it without the knowledge of the judge. If she enters another house, the judge shall examine the state of the house of her first husband. Then the house of her first husband shall be entrusted to the second husband, and the woman herself as managers. And a record must be made thereof. She shall keep the house in order, bring up the children, and not sell the household utensils. He who buys